Welcome to The Gallipod with me, Gallipasidia. In this episode, I'm reading the final part of my fic, Dad Says. If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Don't forget that this week there's also a bonus episode where I talk about some of the background for this particular fic. I hope you enjoy Dad Says. Chapter 12 Magic, said Eve, staring at the cupboard Harry had set on fire and then doused. Fucking magic! Is that why your books are never heavy, Scorp? asked Fran. Scorpius nodded. It's called accidental magic, he said. Harry laughed. Your accidental magic makes your books lighter. You really are a Ravenclaw, he said. But why didn't Draco tell us this before? asked Nick. It's illegal, said Harry. They would have sent him back to prison. Wizard prison, said Eve, faintly. So how come you're telling us? Won't they send you to prison? asked Nick. Harry's a war hero, said Scorpius. Ah, uh, said Harry, as Nick and Flora stared at him. Eve still had her eyes fixed on the cupboard Harry had enchanted. But is Draco okay? asked Flora. You said he'd been attacked again. Of course he's okay, said Eve. He's got magic. Well, said Harry, magic can't really solve everything. And the people who attacked him used magic as well. Draco always said the people attacking him were enemies from prison, said Nick. Wizard prison, said Eve. Not exactly, said Harry. Draco sort of fought on the wrong side of a war. So you guys were enemies, asked Nick. Not, not really, said Harry. You were, said Scorpius. He broke your nose. Yeah, well, we weren't close, said Harry. You cursed him, said Scorpius. That's why Dad has those scars on his chest. Harry was extremely uncomfortable. That was you, asked Nick, his voice edging towards hostility. Those scars are fucking horrible. Language, said Flora. I didn't know what that spell did, and he cursed me first, said Harry. He told us they were from a prison knife fight. Look, it was complicated. We were sixteen, said Harry. Hang on, said Eve. This happened in school. Yeah, said Harry. The same school that our Scorpius is currently attending. It wasn't the school's fault, said Harry. What the hell kind of school for wizard psychopaths is this? It doesn't sound safe. Hogwarts is the best place in the whole world, said Scorpius. But is Draco okay? asked Flora again. He's... I don't know, admitted Harry. But I wanted you guys to be able to visit him in hospital. Wizard hospital, said Eve. She kept this up when they arrived at St Mungo's. Wizard doctors, she said. They're called healers, said Harry. Wizard medicine. It's more like potions. You know what? Never mind. But Draco was still unconscious. A healer explained that they were keeping him in stasis while they tried to figure out how to close his wounds. They kept reopening, she said. Fran and Andy seemed perfectly happy to accept the sudden existence of magic, but Nick and Eve and Flora were clearly too distraught by the sight of Draco's bloodied wound dressings to notice the spells that were wrapped around him. A week went by, and Draco still had not woken up. Harry and Scorpius spent all day at the hospital. Often they were joined by Draco's friends, and sometimes by Ron and Hermione. Scorpius was completely tongue-tied whenever Hermione was near, and blushed if she so much as looked at him. "'Do you want Anthea and Titus to visit?' Harry asked him. "'Anthea wouldn't let them miss school, I don't think,' said Scorpius. "'Maybe they can come on the Christmas holidays,' said Harry. Scorpius nodded unhappily. Harry knew they were both thinking that if Draco wasn't better by then, it would be because he was dead. But finally, 
the healers announced that they would be bringing Draco out of his stasis. "'Does this mean he's out of danger?' asked Harry. "'We think so,' said the healer, "'although he'll still be very weak.' The next morning, Harry, Scorpius, Nick, Flora and Eve gathered around Draco's bed. The healer removed the spells that had been keeping him unconscious, and he began to stir. "'Dad!' breathed Scorpius. Draco turned his head and opened his eyes. Scorpius, he whispered. Dad, Dad, you're okay, said Scorpius. Draco smiled and fell asleep. He woke up again a few hours later. Scorpius, he said. Hey, Dad. How much school have you missed? A bit over a week, said Scorpius. A week, said Draco, starting. He tried to sit up before wincing and collapsing back into his pillows. Oh, don't be such a hard ass, Draco, said Eve. Draco frowned at her. I'm dreaming, he said, and fell back asleep. Half an hour later, he opened his eyes again. Where am I? St. Mungo's, said Flora. Why can't I wake up? He said, more to himself than to anyone else. You're not dreaming, said Harry. I told them about magic. Harry. Hey, it's good to see you awake, said Harry. Draco was looking at him as if he was still dreaming. You've told them, he said. Yeah, said Harry. Can't believe you didn't tell us you were a bloody wizard, Draco. That's a next level secret, said Eve. Remember how mad you got when I didn't tell you I'd shagged hot Jeremy from Starbucks? Harry, said Draco, urgently. Did you tell them? Did you tell them about... Did you... Do they know? His expression went blank. Dad, said Scorpius. It's Scorpius. You're in St. Mungo's. Dad. Draco blinked, reached up a hand to stroke Scorpius's chin. You shouldn't be missing school, darling, he said. You were about to die, said Harry. Don't be so melodramatic, murmured Draco. Scorpius, darling, I love you so much. I love you too. I was scared, said Scorpius. We were also worried, said Nick. Draco turned to look at him, and his expression immediately went blank again. Let's give them some space, said Harry as Scorpius started calling his dad back. Come on. Eve, Nick and Flora followed him out of the room. Harry was pretty sure he knew what was upsetting Draco. You know how Draco told you he was in a white supremacist gang? They nodded. It wasn't white supremacy, it was magical supremacy. He was prejudiced against people without magic. The group he was part of, and by the way, he didn't really have much of a choice in that, it was sort of kill or be killed, I reckon. They attacked muggles people without magic, like you guys. Flora laughed softly. We always knew it was something like that, she said. What? said Harry. That whatever it was, he used to hate people like us. We could tell just from the things he used to say, especially at first, said Flora. He used to apologise all the time, said Nick, in these weird, excessive ways. We thought it was to do with class, said Eve. Poor Draco, said Flora. He must think we won't like him anymore. He's a fucking idiot, said Eve. He's always been a fucking idiot. Right, let's go and tell him we don't care what a prick he was ten years ago. Harry didn't go in with them. He sat in the corridor and waited. Finally, Flora poked her head out of the door. It's all right, she said happily. You can come in now. Draco was propped up on his pillows. Scorpius had climbed into bed with him, and Draco's chin was resting on his head. They both looked slightly dazed and kept laughing although Draco's laughs quickly turned to pained winces. "'So what about Father Christmas?' Eve was asking. "'Not real,' said Draco. 
Vampires. Real, but not like in Twilight, unfortunately. Tooth fairy? Not real. Unicorns? Real. The game continued until a healer came and told them visiting hours were over. We'll be back tomorrow, said Harry. Draco nodded. He seemed to be having trouble looking Harry in the eye. I'm so glad you're okay, said Harry, so that no one else could hear. You have no idea. Draco made the gentle sound that was him trying to laugh without hurting himself. You're not all so bloody dramatic. I'm fine. Harry rolled his eyes. It's really pretty hard to adjust to the idea that you're the stoic, suffer-in-silence type. I spent my whole life thinking you were a hypochondriac. That hippogriff practically tore my arm off, said Draco. But this... Harry gestured at the wound bandages that covered Draco's entire body. What? This? This is nothing. Piece of cake compared to Buckbeak. Harry made midnight breakfast again that night. Sometimes it's just because I'm happy, he explained. Scorpius grinned at him, although only after he had carefully chewed and swallowed his food. He was a Malfoy, after all. Harry and Scorpius continued to visit Draco every day. There wasn't much opportunity to talk to Draco properly, but Harry didn't mind. It was lovely, just to sit in the same room and watch Draco deliberately lose chess games to his son. Scorpius was an insufferably smug winner. It was one of the few times he reminded Harry of how Malfoy had been at school. The effect was strangely heartwarming. But after about three days, Scorpius fell asleep while they were visiting. He had his head in Harry's lap, his feet curled up on the hard plastic chair, and Harry let his hand rest on Scorpius's blonde head. A long silence fell. It was Draco who broke it. I knew you'd take him, he said. His voice was soft and wistful. You're his dad, said Harry. You're all he wants. Mm-hmm, said Draco. I've been thinking, though, said Harry, feeling brave. I think you should move into Grimmel Place with me. Draco raised his eyebrows. I beg your pardon? I put it onto the Fidelius last week. Ron's the secret keeper. You'd be safe there, said Harry. I don't need your protection, Potter. Now that my friends know about the wizarding world, I can just get a flat and put it under the Fidelius myself. I know. Or the Ministry would give you a safe house until they find the people who did this to you. So, there's no need for you to take us in like little beggar children. I was so fucking lonely before you, Draco, said Harry. Draco blinked and swallowed. I know, he said. I... Look... Just think about it, said Harry. I love Scorpius. It's been so great having him. It's... You'd be doing me a favour. Draco didn't speak for so long that Harry was about to recant his offer. We'll pay rent, he said, finally. Harry grimaced. Do you have to? I'm honestly so rich. Yes, rent or no deal, said Draco. Fine, said Harry. But I decide the amount, and it's not going to reflect current London housing prices. Fine, but you're not allowed to spoil Scorpius. Harry chuckled. I can't promise that. Maybe I can have, like, a monthly gift allotment or something. This is such a bad idea, said Draco, sadly. Harry met his eyes. I really don't think it is. Draco looked away. How was your date with Blaze? he asked lightly. Enlightening, said Harry. He's still in love with you, did you know? What? Yeah, spent the whole date trying to weasel out information about you. Draco shrugged. Doesn't mean anything. He always was a nosy bastard. Trust me, it was more than nosiness. 
Harry paused, trying to avoid thinking about the painful twisting in his stomach. Would you want to be with him, if he was up for it? Draco shook his head. No. He was never the right person for me, really. Harry's mouth went dry. Who... who was? Draco fiddled with his hospital blanket. Not sure that is a right person for me, to be honest. There is for me, said Harry. Draco looked at him sharply, and Harry opened his mouth to go on. Scorpia sat up, rubbing his eyes. "'What time is it?' he asked. "'Bedtime,' said Draco. "'And you're going back to Hogwarts tomorrow.' "'That's not fair. I want to be here with you.' "'I'm fine. Even the healers say so.' "'I don't want you to be alone,' said Scorpius. "'He won't be,' said Harry. Scorpius did not protest as much as Harry expected him to. It was obvious that when Draco decided something there wasn't any chance of convincing him otherwise, and Scorpius saw the futility of disagreement. A porky was organised for the next day. Harry left Draco and Scorpius alone to say goodbye, and before he knew it, he was saying goodbye to Scorpius himself. "'Dad says we're coming to live with you,' said Scorpius. "'If that's okay with you,' said Harry. "'Of course it is!' Scorpius paused, looking suddenly serious. "'You will take care of him, won't you?' "'Yes,' said Harry, matching a seriousness. "'I'm going to take such good care of him.' Scorpius nodded solemnly. "'That's good,' he said. I'll see you at Christmas, Harry. Can I invite Anthea and Titus? Of course, said Harry. Scorpius placed his hand on the porky, an old coat can, and disappeared. Chapter 13 Three days later, Draco was discharged from St Mungo's. Harry took him back to Grimmauld Place through the flu. It was difficult to manoeuvre because Draco had insisted on transfiguring the efficient wheelchair St Mungo's had provided for him. Draco was too weak to walk more than a few steps, into a more aesthetically pleasing Victorian wicker contraption. "'If I'm going to be an invalid, I'm going to do it with style,' he said. He was certainly the most stylish invalid Harry had ever seen. Ron had brought him clothes from his flat, so he was exquisitely dressed as always. Harry wheeled him out to the garden, because it was a miraculously sunny day for late November. Draco turned his face up to the sun. "'I used to play here when I was little,' he said. "'Is it weird to be back?' "'Unexpected.' Harry wanted to ask more, but Draco had closed his eyes and fallen asleep. The first few days that Draco lived in Grimmauld Place were among the most peaceful of Harry's life. Ron came over and played a quiet game of chess with Draco. Draco read Harry passages from Thomas Hardy, his favourite muggle author. Harry was disturbed to learn that the main reason for this was Draco's assertion that Hardy understood what life was really like. As far as Harry could tell, Hardy's worldview was unremittingly bleak. But Draco told him that it was beautiful, and honestly, Harry didn't care too much what Draco read him, when his voice was so rich and lilting. They drank copious cups of tea. Draco fell asleep constantly, in the middle of sentences, halfway through meals, or while Harry pushed him through the garden. They kept touching each other. Little gestures at first. Draco tapped Harry's arm to get his attention. Harry brushed a strand of Draco's hair out of his eyes when he fell asleep. Draco rested his head on Harry's shoulder when Hermione came to visit, and talked about the Reconciliation Act for 45 minutes without pausing for breath. It had been hard for Draco to see Hermione again anyway. He did not apologise to her. Harry noticed that he rarely apologised to anyone for his role in the war. Harry suspected because he did not want to be forgiven. But he blanked out several times when she first arrived, and was so polite that he made everyone uncomfortable. Harry helped him in and out of his wheelchair. There was often a moment when they lingered in each other's arms before Draco groped his way to or from the chair. He was using it less and less, anyway. 
By the time he'd been at Grimmauld Place a week, he walked with a cane, and they only used the wheelchair if he got one of his headaches. "'I'm sorry I can't give you career advice,' said Draco one day. They were sitting on the balcony overlooking the garden. Draco wore a thick quilted dressing gown and shabby monogrammed slippers. He clutched his cup of tea for warmth. He was always cold since the attack. "'I didn't ask you for career advice,' said Harry. "'I feel as if I ought to be able to say, "'Aha, I've got it. Your true calling is wand-making.' "'Is it?' asked Harry. "'No. I don't think you have a true calling.' "'I do. It was to kill Voldemort. I did it already,' said Harry, emptily. He didn't know why they were talking about this. "'You barely even killed him. He killed himself.' <laughs> "'You should write my biographies. Harry Potter and the Anticlimax,' said Harry. "'Don't tempt me. No, listen, Potter. You haven't got a calling. Most people haven't. But you'll need to feel needed. Don't you?' So? What kind of job should I get, then? How can I be professionally needy? said Harry. No need to get defensive. It's just useless, that's all. I've thought about all this already, said Harry. All those things you did in school, killing the basilisk, learning to cast a Patronus at thirteen, the Triwizard Tournament, all of it, you did because you had to. An external force pushed you. Yeah, and it turns out if there's no one pushing me, I'm a total fucking waste of space. I know, Malfoy. I'm pushing you. No, you're not. I am. You're to stop feeling so sorry for yourself and get a job. Or what? Or I'll lose respect for you, said Draco. Harry surveyed him over his teacup. Draco was watching him steadily, and Harry's pulse quickened. You're being a dick, he told him. Mm-hmm. It's what I do best, said Draco. What kind of job, said Harry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can get a different one in six months if you don't like whatever you choose. You just have to try something. Harry leant back in his chair. What if I'm bad at it? You probably will be. You're a dunce, I've always said so. It'll be in the papers, said Harry. Chosen one in office failure. You don't read the papers, said Draco. I don't need a job, I'm rich, said Harry. Your biography doesn't have to be top-heavy, Harry, said Draco, his voice suddenly gentle. So you've taken a few years off, so what? You have decades and decades to accomplish things. Why should I listen to you when I haven't listened to Ron and Hermione and, and everyone else? said Harry. Draco cocked his head. Has it occurred to you that you could improve my standing in society? Only if you're a member of society yourself, of course. Harry laughed. <laughs> you're such a Slytherin, he said. Surely you didn't think I was motivated by anything other than self-interest, said Draco. No, <laughs> I mean... "'Because you're a conniving, slippery bastard,' said Harry. "'You don't want me to improve your standing in society. "'You just know that if I think you want that, "'I'd do anything to help you, including getting a job.' "'Draco tapped his fingers on his teacup, clearly confused. "'You didn't think I knew you so well,' said Harry. "'There's a muggle novel called The Bell Jar. "'In it, there is a description of a girl in a fig tree "'trying to decide which fig she should eat. "'She takes so long to decide that all the figs rot and fall off the tree.' You miss your job, said Harry, realisation dawning on him. Draco's expression closed and he put his cup down. I'm afraid I haven't got a job anymore, he said, sounding about six times posher than normal. Nick was unable to convince the shop owner that my leave of absence was legitimate. I'm sorry, said Harry. I have savings, you won't be short of rent. You know I couldn't care less if you pay rent. I'd much rather you didn't, said Harry. I'm not your pet, snarled Draco. Harry snapped his mouth shut. 
Draco rubbed his eyes. I'm sorry. My head hurts. It's hot. He stopped. I like teaching, said Harry. I think I would feel useful if I could teach. Draco smiled wanly. Well then, Professor, let's get you a teaching job. Harry thought the only teaching jobs available in the wizarding world were at Hogwarts. Draco soon showed him that he was mistaken. There were a few wizarding universities. There was aura training, there was tutoring, magical primary schools, and homeschooling. Draco helped him pore over newspaper want ads and draft out a CV. Defeated Dark Lord, May 1998, wrote Draco. Skills learned, dedication and teamwork. This is ridiculous, said Harry. Do you think we can put Dumbledore as your employer for that? Shame he can't give you a reference. Draco, said Harry. Sorry. Have you any special skills? Expelliarmus? That's a first-year spell, Harry. My Patronus is good, said Harry. Can produce corporeal Patronus, wrote Draco, biting his lip in concentration. Predictably, Harry got the first job he applied for, as a tutor for a 15-year-old witch who had to be homeschooled for health reasons. I'm going to be crap, he said, ten minutes before the first session. Yes, agreed Draco. It'll probably spoil her entire education. What if I just panic and shout at her, said Harry. You'll scar her for life. I certainly would never let you forget it. Haven't you got any robes that fit you properly? Here, take mine. You're taller than me, said Harry. Not by much. Fine. As it happened, Harry did not panic. Homeschooling Mabel Manning was very similar to teaching the DA. She was a shy girl who had suffered a traumatic head injury and so couldn't focus for long periods of time. Harry was used to dealing with that sort of thing because of Draco. By the end of the session, he felt confident that not only was this something he could do, but it was something he could do well. Oh, were you perfect? What a big fucking surprise, said Draco upon his return. You got a job, asked Hermione, when Harry told her about it on the next visit. I've had a job for years, said Draco. Hermione ignored him. But that's wonderful, Harry, really wonderful. It's only four hours a week, said Draco. Fine, said Harry, exasperated. I'll get another student. You're a lazy shit until you're working at least ten hours a week, said Draco. Malfoy, exclaimed Hermione. Draco's smile dropped. He cleared his throat politely and left the living room. He wasn't being... That's just how he and I are, Hermione, said Harry. I want him to support you, said Hermione. He is. Trust me, said Harry. I've done something that's going to piss you off, Harry told Draco that afternoon. Draco was leaning against the kitchen counter as Harry filled the kettle. I don't care if you can afford to buy a firebolt. That's an absurd broomstick to give a twelve-year-old. And anyway, I've been saving to buy Scorpius as Nimbus for years now. I'm not buying Scorpius a firebolt. I bought a storefront on Diagon Alley. Draco stopped mid-rant. Why? I want you to run a muggle bookshop, said Harry. A variety of expressions crossed Draco's face so quickly that Harry couldn't track them properly. You bought me a shop, he said, finally. No, said Harry. He had had time to think ever since Draco told him he'd lost his job. The shop is mine. I want to hire you to manage it. I see. You think that will make me feel less indebted to you? Harry sighed. Christ, Draco, I don't know. Maybe you'll always feel indebted to me. Draco laughed unhappily. You think, he said. But what I do know is that people will be more likely to go to our bookshop than to yours. And it's a great idea, you know it is. A pure-blood guide through muggle literature, people will lap it up. 
Draco nodded slowly. It is a good idea, he said. You're thinking of reasons to turn it down. None of which outweigh the benefits it could give Scorpius if I were less of a social pariah, yeah, finished Draco. So, what do you say? Draco groaned and pressed his forehead into Harry's shoulder. I get to pick the name, he said. You'd probably just call it Books. Hang on, Books sounds like a great name for a shop, said Harry, putting an arm around Draco's narrow shoulders and squeezing. Absolutely not. Bookshop? suggested Harry. The place where you can buy books? Come in here, we have books? Shut up, said Draco, and Harry pressed his mouth to the top of his head. Imbecile. You're going to be so rude to the customers, said Harry. I won't, actually. I'm not rude to people who hate me, anymore. He peeled away from Harry, their moment of contact broken by whatever sadness had reawakened in him. They won't always hate you, said Harry, softly. Draco didn't look at him. Black to your mint. Black, said Harry. Draco made the teas in silence. He didn't drink his. He fell asleep at the kitchen table, his head in his arms. It was snowing, and Harry couldn't find Draco. He wasn't in any of his usual spots. The library, with its roaring fireplace and dark green sofas. Or the kitchen. Or the cosy study where Draco sometimes sat to jot down notes on his books. Finally, Harry tried the garden. The sun had set, but it wasn't dark. The moon cast too much light on the fresh white snow. Draco stood, straight-backed and tall, his arms wrapped tightly around himself, shivering and coatless. It's freezing, said Harry. Draco didn't turn around. Harry took off his jacket and slipped it over Draco's shoulders. He left his hands on Draco's arms, and Draco leant back into his chest. What are you doing out here? asked Harry. It snowed like this when I got out of Azkaban, said Draco. Harry hooked his chin over Draco's shoulder so that they were cheek to cheek. I'd always liked snow before then. I wish I'd tried harder at your trial, said Harry. You shouldn't have gone to Azkaban. Don't be ridiculous. The fact that you spoke at all halved my sentence. You didn't have a place to stay when you got out. It must have been so cold, said Harry. Draco stiffened. Blaze told you he said, tonelessly. Harry nodded, his chin digging into Draco's shoulder. It was fine, said Draco. I was fine. It was my first experience among muggles. Not much of an introduction, said Harry. Actually, I was shocked by how many people were kind to me. A teenage girl brought me a hot chicken sandwich and told me I was handsome once. It's silly, but it meant a lot. That someone could still think that of me. Harry wrapped his arms all the way around Draco's slender body and squeezed. Fucking hell, how could anyone not think you were handsome? He said into Draco's throat. Draco breathed a laugh. Sorry, added Harry. That probably wasn't the most important part of the story. I'll never turn down a compliment, Potter. Draco's hands were on Harry's arms. They were knotted around each other, Harry pressing all the way up Draco's back. Draco was trembling and fragile. Except he wasn't. He never seemed to break, no matter how many times he was dropped. You're incredible, said Harry. Draco turned around. Harry caught him and pressed him even closer. Draco's arm slipped around to rest, flat-palmed on Harry's back. When people tell you that, do you believe them? asked Draco. Harry shook his head. Draco's mouth jerked into a smile, 
and Harry was suddenly aware of how very, very close their lips were. I, said Harry. It was hard to think when Draco Malfoy was just letting him hold him. I think I'd believe it if you said it. Draco looked completely bewildered. Why? Because, said Harry, leaning in so that their lips touched as he spoke. Just because. And then they were kissing, a cold, stuttering kiss that set Harry's insides on fire. Draco pulled away first. I, Harry, this was such a bad idea, I shouldn't, fuck, oh. Draco, darling, said Harry, drawing him closer, tucking Draco's head under his chin. Talk to me. You just called me darling, said Draco. I did, said Harry. Harry. Draco broke free and took a step away. His eyes met Harry's with a burning look. I can't do this. I'm in love with you. Harry grinned. That's convenient. I'm in love with you too. No, you're not. I am. No! Draco took another step backwards. You're not, Potter, you absolute fucking idiot. You're you, and I'm me, and you already said we can't be together, and this isn't a fun game for me. I was an absolute fucking idiot. We had the best sex of my entire life. We didn't even finish, Potter. Doesn't matter, said Harry. It was with you. Draco, fuck, I've been obsessed with you since I was thirteen. Because you thought I was up to something. And I was. I was trying to murder your fucking father figure. Yeah, look, I'm not saying we don't have shit to work through. But Draco, look at me. Look at me. Draco reluctantly looked at him, and Harry took a tentative step forward. When Draco didn't shy away, he took another, closing the gap between them. He plunged his fingers into Draco's hair and tugged their faces together, so that their foreheads touched. Draco's hands rested on his chest. I'm so sorry that I freaked out after we slept together, said Harry. If you don't want to be with me, or if we try this and it doesn't work out, I promise it won't change me helping you and Scorpius. But I love you. Here, he shook Draco's head a little, as if to emphasise his point. And I want to be with you. I want to be part of your family. I, I want you to pretend to let me look after you while you're really just looking after me. I want to take you places and get into fights with you and have sex with you and listen to you talk about books and make fun of you. You make me feel like the rest of my life isn't a fucking afterthought. I just want you. I think I deserve you. I don't deserve you, said Draco. He spoke so quietly that Harry had to strain to hear him. The war is over, Draco. You have to forgive yourself. I will never forgive myself, said Draco fiercely. Never! Okay, said Harry, kissing him chastely, soothingly. Okay, we'll revisit that. Fine. You think you don't deserve me. But what if you're the only thing that can make me happy? Do I deserve happiness? You manipulative little pseudo-Slytherin said Draco. He was trying not to smile. I know I deserve you. You're my happy ending, Draco. Let me have it, please. You love me. I was on my way to tell you the night you were attacked. I was so scared I'd miss my chance, said Harry. It's cold, shuddered Draco, closing his eyes and leaning into Harry. Shit, let's get you inside, said Harry. The kitchen was bright. Harry conjured blankets and swaddled Draco until all that could be seen of him was his pale, pointed face and his slippery, white blonde hair. Draco's delicate hands poked out of the blanket folds to clutch at the cup of tea Harry brought him. Okay, said Draco. Only okay? asked Harry. No, okay, 
Draco looked at him, and Harry's heart soared at the smug expression he saw on his face. Draco and Scorpius both. He loved it when they were smug. Okay, you can be in love with me. You're in love with me too, said Harry. I never said that, said Draco. You did? Mm, Don't think so. It doesn't sound like something I'd say, said Draco. You love me, said Harry. Dream on, Potter. Do you mean it? You'll try. Draco's eyes were wide and frightened. I think it's doomed, but fuck it. Darling, said Harry, and kissed the tip of Draco's nose. You're wrong. You'll see. Harry lay curled around Draco, his head on Draco's chest, almost asleep. They had had sex twice, and he was so happy and tired that he almost couldn't stand it. Since that letter you sent me, said Draco, quietly. When you told me I was a good father. Harry tilted his head up to look at Draco. A wonderful father, he corrected. Draco smiled. Yeah, since then. I was hurt you didn't answer me, said Harry. I couldn't answer. He stroked Harry's sweaty hair. How about you? I didn't realise until I had dinner with Blaze, admitted Harry. But I fancied you since sixth year. You're misremembering, said Draco. I'm not. I hated you, but I also couldn't stop thinking about you. Drove Ron and Hermione spare. I just hated you. Until the battle, and the trial, and everything. Having time to think in Azkaban. All those fucking muggle novels, said Draco. Harry ran his hands over Draco's scarred chest. I'm sorry. Please don't. If you apologise, then I'll have to, and my apologies are always hopeless. Okay, said Harry. No apologies. You're incredible, Harry, said Draco. Harry buried his face in Draco's chest, embarrassed. Shut up. Your capacity for compassion and generosity astonishes me, went on Draco. I'm washed up, said Harry. You're free, said Draco sleepily, his fingers soft and tingling against Harry's scalp. Something clicked in Harry's brain. It was as if, for the first time, the full realisation that he didn't have to do anything really, truly registered. Yeah, said Harry. I am. Boxing Day. Two years later. You are cordially invited for a Boxing Day lunch with the Malfoys. RSVP. Grimmel Place had done itself, thought Harry. It clearly liked being full, even if it was mainly with Weasleys. Everyone was in a food coma after the sumptuous feast the house had provided. It's fascinating that your house can cook, Harry. That's really unusual, even in old magical houses, said Hermione. And they were lounging about the living room in varying states of digestion. Scorpius, Titus, Teddy and Fran were outside flying. Technically, muggles weren't supposed to fly on broomsticks, but Fran was so good at Quidditch that no one ever stopped her. Andy and Anthea were talking quietly by the fireplace, their heads bent towards each other. Nick and Flora had already told Eve that she wasn't to tease Andy about his feelings for Anthea, which were apparently quite intense. Mr Weasley was engaged in an in-depth conversation with Flora about muggle plumbing. Andromeda and Mrs Weasley were sampling the cheese platter. Draco and Andromeda still avoided each other, although Harry knew it was because Andromeda felt guilty for having kept Teddy and Scorpius apart all those years. Draco, too, was overwhelmed by guilt about Teddy's parents. Harry hoped they would get over it one day, but so far the best either one of them could do was nod politely at each other before moving to opposite sides of the room. 
Mrs Weasley had taken a while to warm up to Draco. In fact, it wasn't really until she met Scorpius that she understood why Harry had married Draco in the first place. This was often the case, Harry discovered. It was hard not to love Draco once he knew Scorpius, even though Scorpius was being a right moody prat these days and rebelled against literally everything Draco said. Unless Draco and Harry had a fight, then Scorpius would aggressively freeze Harry out to demonstrate where his loyalties lay. Harry was a Malfoy now. Draco had been horrified when Harry had insisted on taking his name, but to Harry it had been a no-brainer. He had always longed to be part of a family, and the Malfoys were too firmly Malfoys to become Potters. But ultimately it was still Draco and Scorpius against the world. Contramundum, Scorpius told him fiercely, the last time he and Draco had fought, because the awful little Ravenclaw was continually speaking in Latin. But mostly, Harry and Scorpius got on wonderfully, even through Scorpius's teenage rebellion. In any case, as rebellions went, it was pretty harmless. He seemed to think that the best way to distance himself from both Harry and Draco was to be the most Ravenclaw that ever did nerd. He quit the Quidditch team, even though he loved it, so that he could study harder. It made Draco sad, but they both knew that Scorpius had a lot of repressed anger to deal with somehow or another. Contramundum, Harry understood. Not all the Death Eater catches had been caught, and although public opinion had changed a great deal since Hermione passed the Reconciliation Act, people were often rude to Draco in the shop. Books. Harry had worn Draco down in the end. Scorpius claimed he had nothing to do with the mysterious boils that bubbled onto people's tongues all over Hogwarts if they said anything negative about Draco Malfoy. Hermione said it was an incredibly advanced spell, and that Scorpius had a promising future as an unspeakable. "'It's magic with no marker,' she said. "'It's honestly quite brilliant.' "'It's dark magic,' said Draco, bitterly. "'No, it isn't,' said Harry. "'Stop assuming he's about to morph into some kind of supervillain. "'You know that just makes him worse.' Hermione, Professor McGonagall, and Eve were the only adult figures who were able to get through to Scorpius at all, really. Draco was desperately worried about him. Scorpius told Harry privately that he was worried about how much Draco worried. Harry thought they were both adorable, so fundamentally the dynamics between them all remained unchanged. Rose Weasley was crawling around the carpet, putting things in her mouth. "'Stop staring,' said Draco, falling into the seat next to Harry. "'I'm allowed to stare,' said Harry. "'She's cute.' "'You're baby-obsessed,' said Draco. Harry was about to protest, but it was useless. He was. "'Yeah,' he said, letting his head droop onto Draco's shoulder. "'You know,' said Draco, slowly, "'we could get one.' "'A baby?' What, from the baby shop? Don't be insensitive. We'd adopt, said Draco. We have Scorpius, said Harry. Draco waved his hand dismissively. The first pancake is always rubbish. Harry laughed. Come off it, he said. I missed the first five years with Scorpius. You missed the first eleven. Are you serious? asked Harry. Draco nodded. I've thought about it a lot, he said. I don't... "'Actually want Scorpius to feel like a first pancake,' said Harry, frowning. "'He and I agree that it's a good idea,' said Draco. "'You've talked to Scorpius already?' "'Of course I have,' said Draco. "'You don't think I'd risk his ire, do you? "'He'd probably hex us both into oblivion and no one would ever know who'd done it.' "'A baby,' said Harry, dreamily. "'I'd have to cut back on my students. "'You've been trying to quit teaching Cuthbert for months now.' "'Yeah, well, he's the most boring teenager on the planet. "'Fuck Draco, a baby!' I take it this is a yes. Yes, said Harry. Good, because I've already filled out the paperwork. Happy Christmas. You're terrifyingly efficient sometimes, murmured Harry. 
Get a room, you two, said George Weasley. Harry smiled and kissed Draco harder. All was well. That was the final part of Dad Sets, written and read by Gala Pasidia. This week I'm also releasing a bonus episode where I talk about how this was my first foray into the Drary fandom, uh, Nazis, Oscar Wilde, and everything else in between. I don't know what's in between Nazis and Oscar Wilde, but you'll find out. Uh, that should be available to download now. Uh, don't forget, also, you can join my newsletter at newsletter.gallopod.com. It would be delightful if you signed up. I'm thrilled when you do, so go ahead and do that. And don't forget to tune in next week for the first part of my fic, Can I Tell You Something, in which Draco Malfoy is on a lot of drugs, many drugs, and also he does burlesque dancing. It's better than it sounds. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app, and why not share it with a friend you think will like the show? I also have an Instagram, at letthemeetbooks, with underscores and other spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>